Louis Domingue has been around a long time in the National Hockey League, even though he's only 29 years old. And he's put up some pretty ordinary numbers. But he sure looked good the other night in San Jose, didn't he? Good morning to you. Good Monday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Penguins. It comes your way bright and early if you're into football and or baseball. I also offer up Daily Shots of Steelers and Pirates where you found this. Domingue made 40 saves in the Penguins' 2-1 to overtime victory against the Sharks. And he, I mean, he stole the game. There's no way to soft pedal that. The Penguins did not play well, especially through the first two periods. Domingue kept the minute, made a couple other big saves in the third, and then Sidney Crosby and Jake Gensel hooked up for a really, really nice overtime goal. But Domingue was the star. Was a star. He stood tall. He is tall. Six foot three goalie. Looks a lot different than Casey DeSmith in that regard alone. He was aggressive. He was smart around his net to the sides of the net where the Sharks seemed dangerous all evening. Active with the stick, confident, uh, befitting the experience that I mentioned that he has. Looked like, looked like the guy that the team really ought to be using as the backup goaltender. Which, of course, given how poorly DeSmith has performed, is now issue number one on this roster as it relates to what this team needs to do to be fully prepared for the long playoff run that everybody, including them, is expecting. For his part, Deming, like a super nice, super classy guy, had only this to say to reporters in San Jose. I, I, I'm, we all like each other. We all push each other. I'm, I'm just here to give a break to, to, to Jars, and uh, you know, whatever happens, happens. But I, I'm certainly not thinking about any battle with uh, any goaltender to, uh, at all. That's exactly right. You can't be thinking about taking people's jobs or whatever, because then you start getting into all kinds of negative mindsets, including hoping that the other guy fails, and then you're not a team player and everything else. All you can do, as Domingue would say, is take advantage of the opportunity that's in front of you. That was the opportunity. The Penguins needed a pick-me-up after the way they'd performed overall in Los Angeles. They got spanked by the Kings. That hadn't happened to them in two months. They got spanked. And then the Sharks looked like they were well on their way to doing what the Kings did. Only Domingue slammed the door. He made the difference, which is exactly, exactly the effect that you want your backup to have. As opposed to what we've seen with DeSmith, which is, uh uh-oh, Tristan Jari's played way too many games in a row but we don't trust this guy at all, and let's see if we can somehow avoid playing him. And then they play him anyway because, you know, you can't blow the wheels off the other guy, and he stinks, and you think to yourself, well, at least we can get through the next couple of weeks without playing him again. That's that's awful, just awful, and you can't get away with that. I believe the Penguins are going to make the playoffs regardless. 
because they've shown to have themselves one hell of a good hockey team. They really have. But that's not where you're going to be setting the bar now. When you're routinely beating the NHL's best, you've got to start thinking a lot bigger. And that means you've got to start fortifying that position. And Domingue, at least, at least, without extrapolating one great night, looks like he deserves a chance to do that. This portion of Daily Shot of Penguins is brought to you by the good people at the Greater Pittsburgh Community Food Bank, where they're committed to providing food for all of our neighbors in need across western Pennsylvania. They, in turn, need your help. Find out how $1 can be turned into five full meals for those in need. Visit pittsburghfoodbank.org. I've shared with you on this show before that Ron Hextall and I had spoken at length in Toronto a few weeks ago about the state of the team's goaltending and how their belief in Jari never wavered. And Hextall and the franchise in general are being rewarded for that right now handsomely. Jari is a deserving NHL all-star, one of the five best goaltenders in the league without a question. Without a debate, he's a top five goaltender in the NHL right now. Good for him, good for them. But Hextall, and for that matter, everyone else in the organization, comes to a semi-abrupt halt when DeSmith comes up. They just don't know. They just don't know. And remember that like Jari, DeSmith is an inherited goaltender by Hextall, of course, a great former goaltender himself. Domingue is the first outside goaltender that Hextall's acquired, and they like him. It's not an act. It's not an illusion. They know of his NHL pedigree. And if you look at Hextall's history, whether it's here or in Philadelphia, he is always, always, always going to look toward the internal solution before making an outside move. That is going to be forever the 180-degree difference between him and his predecessor. Not knocking Jim. Jim Rutherford made moves to win championships. But Jim would make them the next morning. And Hextall will make them the next year. He wants to give his guys a chance because of the thought process that, look, we did bring you here for a reason. We're at least going to see what you've got. Case in point, glowing, beautiful case in point, Evan Rodriguez. That's what you want to see from your people who are already under your watch. Okay, we're missing all of our centers, kid. Go get them. And then Rodriguez runs up the goal total that he has. There isn't anything especially under the taxi squad plan that the NHL has put in that prevents a team from giving the number three goaltender an extended look. Not waivers, not any of that stuff. You can and are right now in this league carrying three goaltenders. Well, it's pretty clear that the three is outplaying the two. 
in the very small sample sizes that we've seen. And we know, at least we should know, what to expect from DeSmith for better and worse, including the really good stretch that he had last season. The Penguins know who he is. They know what his ceiling is. It's time to see how the other guy works and how the team responds to playing in front of him. It sure looked good for one night, right? When we come back, just one question. Just one question that's brought to you always on this program by Fubo TV. The monthly cost of cable is over 200 bucks. Fubo TV is 65 bucks a month to watch all the same channels, including AT&T Sportsnet Pittsburgh. And right now, Fubo TV is offering our listeners of this show a seven-day free trial and 15% off your first month. Just go to FuboTV.com/dk. FuboTV.com/dk. And today's J1Q comes from Mike Anatori, who asks, in hindsight, was Jim Rutherford brilliant or incredibly lucky to hire Mike Sullivan to coach in Wilkes-Barre? And was it further luck or brilliance when he promoted Sullivan to replace the overmatched Mike Johnston? Well, before we turn this entire episode into a nod to how great Jim was, let's remember that Jim hired Mike Johnston, okay? And that was a rotten hire. Uh, Mike Johnson, nice guy, consummate pro, everything else. You use the term overmatched, Mike, and that is pitch perfect. That is exactly what he was. He was a junior coach thrust into the NHL working with superstars, who, by the way, although they wouldn't blast him uh, publicly, had zero respect for what he was bringing at the NHL level, just zero. So if you're going to give Jim high marks for everything that followed, you got to start with the lousy hire that he made up front. Now, Sullivan was brought in to be a development guy, which seemed kind of fishy even in the moment because he was an established decade-long assistant coach under John Tortorella. He'd been seen by a lot of people, including Tortorella, as NHL head coaching material times 10. And he comes into this system. And I remember, and some of you might as well, reporting from that first development camp that Sullivan seemed so authoritative and so in charge. And understanding he wasn't, uh, you know, usurping Johnston's authority or anything like that. He was left to be in charge of this specific on-ice process. And you could tell that he was in charge the same way that you still can today. There was one boss on that rink. And the way he engaged his players, not just by being vocal and whatever else here, but being hands-on, by being right there with them, dealing with them one-on-one. That was a sight to see. And I remember not really knowing much about this guy, but sharing that information. So he goes down to Wilkes-Barre as what 
appeared to be exactly what played out, which is that if Johnston wasn't going to go well, they had a guy here ready and raring. So Sullivan goes down there. The Wilkesberries win like every game they play. It was a promising young group of guys, the, the whole Brian Rust pack. Scott Wilson, Tom Kuhnhackle, Connor Sheary, all those guys that would come up later in that same season and win the Cup, they were all with Sullivan down there, and I probably shouldn't leave out Matt Murray, right? So, yes, adding Sullivan was obviously an outstanding move and an inspired move. But understand that it was made within the context of trying to patch up uh, a lousy one. Mike Sullivan is the greatest coach in franchise history, and that is not small praise when you go back over some of the names that are on that list before him. Sullivan is number one, and he should be the coach of this team, really, for as long as he'd like. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everybody listening to Daily Shot of Penguins. The team is in Las Vegas. Playing tonight, 10.08 p.m. Eastern Time face-off, and we'll talk about it tomorrow.